Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Generation Ziggler's Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam, and today I'm joined with two good friends of mine from Arkansas, Mr. Zachary Andrews. How are you doing, Zachary? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. And back for another guest hosting with us from Minnesota, the Great White North, Maddie Smith. How are you, Maddie? I'm doing well, enjoying the nice weather up here. <laughs> You know, we're all kind of bracing for, for a change in the weather. It is warm in the south, uh, but uh, and if it's warm in Minnesota, then it's warm across the nation, so we, uh, we're bracing. So today's guest is Justin Mears, and we were discussing before the call, this is a person that you may have never heard of before, but after this call, you're not going to forget. Uh, Zachary, tell the audience just a little bit about who Justin is. Justin is he's so unique. I mean, he, he's been reading leadership books since he was in middle school. Um, he went and was in the Navy, was a helicopter pilot, and now he owns a Chick-fil-A. And uh, really, we just get to hear a little bit about how all these experiences have added up. Yeah, someone who not only was in the Navy, but an instructor at the Naval Academy. Man, this guy's got leadership experience you would not believe. Uh, Matty, what are some of the takeaways that you got from our time with Justin today? Yeah, he, he really talked about the how do you express your values versus what are those skills? I think it's really easy for us to focus on how can I become better? Uh, how can I become a better public speaker? How can I organize a meeting better? How can I execute these skills in a, in a better way? But he really focused on and gave us some specific examples of how to really focus on your character and how that influences everything else that we may be currently focused on. So Gen Z audience, you're going to really love this conversation with Justin Mears as we really dive into a deeper discussion on what is the importance of character in leadership. So let's go straight to the show with Justin Mears. Justin, welcome. And thank you for joining us on the Gen Z show. It is, it is really nice to meet you, and I, and I appreciate your willingness to come on our show and, and share your thoughts on leadership with our uh, Generation Ziegler audience. Absolutely. James, thanks for having me. Um, it's my pleasure, as we would say, at Chick-fil-A. Um, so, so thanks for having me on the call. I'm excited. Um, anytime I get the chance to, not that I don't love uh, slinging chicken, but anytime I get the chance to step away for a few minutes and um, talk about leadership as a good day, whether it's with my team or, or anybody else. So I'm happy to be here and um, and happy to, to share some thoughts. And I think most excited just to hear um, the questions that, that, that y'all have and, and kind of where that takes the conversation. And um, yeah, just, just see what's on what's on your mind today. So well, anybody who knows much about the Gen Z show knows that we're big fans also of uh, Chick-fil-A here. Uh, we got Randy Gap. Gravit, who has uh, been our guest multiple times on this show, even when this was an open format, which we did before, you know, we did live Zoom calls on Facebook. He was one of our first guests that did that. And we've been big fans of, of uh, Mark Miller's uh, books, 
and, and the heart of leadership especially, I think is one of the finest examples of, of a text on leadership development that I've ever read. It's really sticky. I really love I really love that. So I'm a big fan. And I have two children who are Chick-fil-A employees. So I like that as well. well, So Yeah. Well, our audience, this may be the first time that they've uh, met you. So just introduce yourself uh, to our Gen Z audience and just tell them a little bit about what you would like for them to know. Absolutely. Um, My name is Justin Mears. I'm from a small town in South Carolina called Georgetown, Georgetown, South Carolina. It's right between Charleston and Myrtle Beach. That's where I was born and raised on the coast there. Um, I think that growing up in a small town certainly shaped and influenced, uh, you know, who I became and, or who I am today, who I'm becoming still. Um, but, uh, I, uh, there's a long story there, but the, the end result is I chose to go to the Naval Academy for my undergraduate education. Um, so went there, um, and, and really for me, I, I've been reading leadership books since I was like in the seventh grade. And I always tell people like, that's a really weird thing. I know like that most, most seventh grade kids aren't reading John Maxwell books, but my dad, um, you know, was really big into, into reading uh, leadership and management books. That's one of the reasons I was super happy to be, uh, you know, invited to be on this show. Zig Ziglar was one of the guys that my dad always pushed, uh, to, you know, to me as a young kid. And so I kind of just picked, picked it up and, um, you know, middle school and high school and, um, and, and I went to the Naval Academy because everybody called it a leadership laboratory. And I was like, well, if this is a leadership laboratory. Um, then that's the place I want to, I want to go. Uh, I want to, you know, continue to study and learn and, and work on becoming, um, the leader that I'm, you know, feel like I'm meant to be. And so that's kind of how I ended up there. It was not really a, a, a military or necessarily a, a patriotic decision initially for me. And everybody goes for different reasons, you know, to a place like that. But the service aspect really kind of came later, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I went because people said this is where you can learn to be a leader. And so I was like, all right, sign, you know, sign me up. Um, let the, you know, so a rude awakening initially, perhaps when you when you first show up there and, um, and, and all the, the military aspects of everything. But yeah, the service piece kind of came later for me. Um, after graduating from the Naval Academy, I met my wife there. Uh, we both uh, went on to flight school. I was a helicopter pilot in the Navy. Um, for a little over 10 years, so um, two deployments over to the to the Middle East, the Persian Gulf area um, in Bahrain with my helicopter squadron. Um, and then after I got done with my first sea tour um, and, and flying, I chose to go back to the Naval Academy um, to, be, to be a leadership instructor. So a lot of the same reasons that led me there, led me back there. Um, my favorite classes when I was teaching, or I'm sorry, when I was a student, I was a midshipman, we're in the leadership department. Um, and, and I thought it would be really cool to, to be able to go back, um, having had the opportunity for five or six years to be an officer in the Navy and to lead, you know, sailors, um, and, and actually kind of put this stuff into practice that I had been reading about and and studying and trying to learn and, uh, and, and go back and try and teach it. And one of the reasons why I did that. Um, just real quick is I really learned in my time flying um, and leading a crew um, and and leading a division of sailors that um, I had done a really good job of, of once again, of reading books on leadership, of, of learning, of uh, teaching myself to be a reflective person, to be a critical thinker and to, um, I think, I think be a, a decent leader. Um, but I had not done a good job of passing that on. And so I know we'll get into some of that kind of stuff um, down the road, but I had, I had kind of 
uh, taking it on myself. Like this is important to me. And as an officer in the Navy, it should be important to other officers, but I wasn't necessarily willing to, to, to share that with others. And that's not a good thing. And I had not learned how to teach leadership or how to really um, be a leader who develops other leaders. And so that's a main reason why I went back to the Academy was I, I got to spend three years teaching and refining kind of my approach, my take on a lot of things, but learning how to communicate that to other future leaders. Um, and yeah, that, that was just important to me to do that. Um, as that, that led into kind of my, the end of my time in the Navy. Um, and in that last year or so after I had been finished teaching at the Academy, uh, I decided I wanted to write a book. So I started that journey. It took me about two years to write that book. It's called the coin. Um, it's a, it's a parable format, um, much like, uh, Pat Lencioni or, or John Gordon or any of those guys that kind of use a, a fable or parable format to teach leadership. Um, and so it tells the story of a young business leader, um, and his kind of journey and kind of discovery, uh, that, that he's been put in these leadership positions as a young man, but really doesn't understand what it means to lead, doesn't understand the complexity of, of leadership and what it kind of requires. Um, and he, he goes on this journey and he gets to travel back in time and meet a bunch of different, uh, or witness a bunch of different moments, historical moments, uh, spanning from, you know, political leaders like Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, um, to military leaders, to sports leaders, um, and kind of gets a chance to, to witness firsthand some specific, uh, leaders throughout history exhibiting specific traits, uh, characteristics that are important for, I believe are important for a leader to embody. Um, and then ultimately that's, it's, it's, you know, following his journey of discovery of what that means for him and his role. Um, and it says right there on the cover of the books, so I'm not spoiling anything, but it's called a leader's developing leaders parable. And back to kind of the point I was just making, like that's, that's what led me to write that was this idea that um, that's what we should be doing. We should be leaders developing leaders, not leaders holding on to, whatever we've learned. Um, and so I, I wrote that throughout that time, I was in the process to be selected to become a Chick-fil-A operator. Um, and so that took me about three and a half years to get to that point. That was a long process, a long journey, um, but got selected in February of this year, pre-COVID. Um, and who knew, right, that like the, the journey that I was gonna take from getting selected in February to, um, to opening a restaurant in mid-September in the middle of, um, you know, the, the pandemic and all that and everything that went into that and our own challenges we faced with that in the restaurant already and only being open for the, the past six weeks or so. But uh, that's what I'm doing now. So I work with uh, no shortage of Gen Z uh, young people. I got about 100 of them on uh, on my staff or on my team. So so this um, was that, a brand new store? Brand new. Yes, sir. Out in Lacey, Washington. Yeah. So brand new, just opened up. Yes, about six weeks ago, September 17th, we opened up. So you've not had anyone, I would assume, in your dining room at all? We have not. No, we're drive through only right now, which is honestly a blessing in disguise in some ways where we just kind of can focus on one, one element of serving guests um, at this point and get, get better at that. Um, we got a long ways to go, but the team's getting better every day. Well, one of the things that, you know, when we were talking about Chick-fil-A's leadership uh, components that Mark Miller talks about in his hard leadership describing leaders and, and the training of leaders, he uses the analogy, you know, of an iceberg and that most of the iceberg is underneath the water and most of the leader's training is the underneath the surface, which he focuses on character. And I know that is something that, that 
through watching the videos and, and your rate and reading some of the, the things that you have put out that is really a focus of you is focusing on character first. Why is that important to you based on your experiences on why leadership should be focused on character? Because I'll be honest, you know, the three of us, you know, Zachary, Maddie, and I, we've all been through leadership trainings and they, they tend to focus most of the time first on the skills and the how to, not the person in there. Why, why do you feel like we need to start there? The character I think that it impacts it impacts the how-to it it, it it the the why behind it or um, the motivation behind the how-to comes from you know who you are as a person and what your what your focus is and, and um, you know you can go back to the ancient Greeks right like uh, you know you can you can you can go look at um, some of those guys and and their um, focus on virtue ethics um, and this idea of character and, and where we get the, um, the, the English word character, how we understand character comes from the Greek word character, uh, which means the engraving of a coin, um, which is why I call my book the coin, um, not to spoil it for, for Zachary there who said he's, he's reading it. But um, yeah, it is this idea that um, it, you take a piece of metal and it has shape and it has form. Um, but until you etch into it, these identifiable features, um, that communicate to everybody else around, like what the value of that piece of metal is, right? That's what, that's what engraving a coin does. If I show you a quarter, you know, that quarter is worth 25 cents here. Um, and so, uh, before it was just a piece of metal. We, we etch these, these identifiable features that showcase to, to everyone around, you know, what it's worth and that, that our character is the same way that it is those individual pieces of us um, the, the, the sum of which, um, you know, we're, we're demonstrating to everyone around us, what our value is, what we bring to the table. Um, and, and so I think that, I just think it's, it, that, that is where you have to start. I honestly don't think there's, in my opinion, that, that you can't just jump right into here, here is how to, if you don't get to the root of, um, of, of the why behind that, um, and the things that, um, that are important that, that, you know, I think that the character, the character uh, is the sum of our moral habits, if you will. Um, and so those are things that you're, you're practicing and you're, and you're learning and developing just like you would physical habits, right? Flying a helicopter, um, you know, a lot of it became like muscle memory, or if you've played sports before, right? This idea of muscle memory, you do something repetitive over and over and over again, and it becomes habit. And that our character is the same way. It's the sum of all these little pieces that make up um, our moral habits and we are developing this, uh, this moral muscle, uh, memory, um, that when, when push comes to shove and you're put into a situation that requires you to react, um, in accordance with that, that character and those habits that you developed, you're going to do what you've done over and over again. Um, I used to tell my midshipmen all the time when I was teaching at the academy, um, I, that, that, the same along the same lines this idea that like hey you're learning all this great skills on how to be a leader here um but if you don't have the character piece figured out there's no magic switch that you flip on graduation day and all of a sudden now you're an officer in the navy or the marine corps and you've been letting the character piece slide um and then all of a sudden you're going to turn a light switch on and poof you're you're going to become this amazing um officer it doesn't work that way you've been building habits good or bad um you know, throughout your life, certainly throughout your time here at the Academy. And those are the things that are going to shine through when, um, when you're faced with 
uh, stressful situation or put into a position where you're backed into a corner and you have to make uh, a tough decision. Um, the, the how-tos are only going to get you so far. It's going to be a lot of those pieces of your character that are, gonna, um, that are going to shine through and in how you approach situations and things like that. And some of these things, I think, are, are not natural in some ways, like uh, the idea of, of, uh, of love and talking about love when it comes to leadership and like truly caring for, for someone and putting their interests ahead of your own. Um, that requires sacrifice sometimes. That requires serving other people and, and putting them before yourself. And I think that our natural inclination is to do the opposite and say, well, what's in it for me? Um, and if you're talking about being a leader and your focus is what's in it for me, um, because your character is rooted in, in selfish habit, then that stuff's gonna naturally come out when, when you're put in a situation where potentially the right decision as a leader uh, requires sacrifice on your part and could backfire and could cause you some, could, could be negative for you personally, but is right for your team. Um, and you have to be able to stand up and, as a leader and do that. And that's tough to do if you don't have the character piece figured out. Sorry if that was a long answer, but. I, no, I, oh, sorry about that. Uh, I'm curious. So you, you're kind of joking around saying like, I started reading leadership books when I was in seventh grade. And then you talk about how you uh, decided to go to the mil military or uh, excuse me, the Navy. Um, so I'm curious, how did your interpretation of leadership change from when you uh, started the Navy versus when you came out? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, if we're talking the Naval Academy and we're talking like the, the, my undergraduate education, I kind of alluded to it, but it was this idea of the importance of service. And I think that becomes like interwoven throughout my personal journey now. And that's because of going to the Naval Academy. I think I, I distinctly remember going to my dad's bedroom one night um, and I had, got, I had applied to the Naval Academy in Clemson and we are a diehard Clemson family. My dad went there, my brother went there, my sister went there. I got my MBA from there literally just to say I, could, I was a Clemson graduate really for no other reason. Um, I'm in school and, there uh, by the way, so. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I mean, like we're and so I walked to my dad's bedroom one night and I was like, yeah, I'm not I got accepted to both. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna go to the Naval Academy. Um, and he was like, are you gonna pay for going to Clemson? And you know, he was kind of jokingly, but he was basically was like, you're going to the Naval, you're going to the Naval Academy is free. Um, and, uh, and but that decision, if I had gone to Clemson, that the service component, I don't know if it would have ever kind of entered in. And that's really what I learned um, was the importance of um, yeah, of putting other people before yourself and, and, uh, or, or an ideal or a cause ahead of your own personal interests. Um, and so that, that grew, um, and took place there. Once again, I didn't go there with that, um, intent, whereas a lot of kids do. And like, uh, it's great on them for, for kind of having that forethought as a 17, 18 year old kid to go to this place because of the idea of service. That wasn't it for me. I would say I was a, I was, a pretty selfish individual as a, as a teenager. And um, so I was going because it looked really good. Um, no one else in my school was going to a military academy. Um, I was going because, oh, this can help me be a leader. Um, and so it was a real big shift from me focused to, to others focused. Um, and I think that continued throughout my time actually in the Navy. Yeah. Were there... So Justin, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Zachary. Um, kind of just going off of that though. And I mean, obviously the Navy, um, played a huge part in your development but um, whenever we're talking about like the strong character that it takes to be a leader you know how can we transfer um, that onto others and help them develop their own personal character 
Like what are from your um, experiences, how, how is that most effective? Yeah. I mean, if you're talking like actual practical things to do um, for me, one of the first things I do with anybody that I'm working with is, and this is something that the Travis Mannion foundation um, does um, is the, uh, is the values and action survey. Um, I can't remember what, I think it's, I don't want to say, I think, I think it's Michigan, but I'm not sure what school kind of originated this, but it's under this idea of positive psychology. Um, you can read, you know, there's the positive psychology center at Wharton and those sorts of things that are, that are studying this idea of, um, of, of positive psychology and it kind of falls in line with that, but it's a quick assessment that you can take, um, that breaks down the kind of top 21 character strengths. So it's a strengths-based assessment, um, for your character. Uh, and what it does is you answer, it's an assessment, you answer questions, just like if you've done like an MBTI personality assessment or anything like that, DISC, any of these. Um, and it shows you how you prioritize one through 21, these top 21 character strengths. And, and they, they arrived at these 21 strengths, from my understanding, by doing a multi-year study assessing, looking at basically, you know, human literature from beginning to now and trying to see is, are there traits and characteristics that kind of transcend um, no matter kind of where where you are in the world and, and and those sorts of things that are important to the human race. And these are the 21 that they are arrived at. And it tells you how you prioritize from one to 21, I believe it's 21. Um, and so I, I have people do that. But then I tell them, hey, um, that's great. But uh, just because humor is my dead last, right? Humor is 21 for me. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm not a funny person. Doesn't mean I don't like, you know, um, you know, I don't joke around. It doesn't, doesn't mean that at all. It just means I prioritize that less than all these other character strengths. Um, it also doesn't mean that my number one is humility. Um, it doesn't mean that that's always necessarily a good thing. I may over prioritize that. And so Aristotle and some of the Greeks would say, um, that, that you're these character, these pieces of your character, um, I operate ideally along this golden mean. There is like a perfect spot where, um, this where humility is a virtue and in, in and of itself, it is good, but you can have too little or you can have too much of, of all of these character strengths. So, uh, take bravery, for example, bravery would be considered, I think a cardinal virtue, right? Um, we all want to be considered brave individuals. Um, we know that a deficiency of bravery would be, uh, you know, being a coward. No one wants to be called a coward. Um, but an excess of bravery would be being too, uh, brash or, or taking on too much risk and, you know, unnecessarily, um, you can have too much of, of that as well. So they all operate in this golden mean. And so I tell people, take this assessment, and then I give them a, a worksheet um, that basically set, goes from excess of deficiency to excess of, um, you know, too, too much to too, to too little on, the, on each of these character strengths. And I say, um, I want you to fill this out, and I want you to assess yourself. Now that you kind of know what the VIA survey says, the values and action survey says for how you prioritize these, I want you to say, where do you fall on the spectrum? Uh, of from too little to too much um, and then I want you to take this to someone who knows you really well whether it's a friend in my case like a spouse or, or whoever have them do it for you too. make sure those match up because sometimes you may think too highly of yourself or too little of yourself um, make sure you kind of get a, a good idea of where you fall out and then on either side of the spectrum whether it's for me like honestly like humility is number one and and it's always going to show up at the top and then people can be like great like you're a humble person but that has been at my detriment at times. Um, and so that is something that I want to work on. So then identify two or three of those character strengths um, and try and map out like, hey, I, this is where I carry this to excess. 
And so how can I create um, a, a, a playbook, if you will, for when I'm putting in these moments um, to, and it requires some critical thinking to say, hey, I know this is where I'm naturally inclined to react, but I also know that it is shown, it is proven to, to, um, to be a negative thing for me at times. And here's how I'm going to try um, and, and act, you know, the next time this comes up. And that's the only way you change habits is by, right, uh, whether moral or physical or whatever is by um, repeated action. And so trying to identify what that action looks like, when it's going to come into play, um, and how you need to change that, and then doing it. I mean, that's kind of as practical as I can explain it. Hopefully that answers your, your question. Yeah. And, you know, I really think that a lot of times, kind of whenever you're working with people to get them, um, you know, to, to grow as a leader and as a person, like, there's also the aspect of, you know, they have to want it. And I can definitely see how whenever you help them develop like a roadmap to it, that definitely is easier to make them want it. And um, that kind of ties it back in for me, though, because like James said earlier, um, I know Maddie, James and I, we have been trained heavily on the skill side of leadership and less probably on the character side. Um, I kind of see how you can grow, help someone grow and help yourself grow by kind of the same way. You're just focusing on different things. So I think that's really unique. Yes, Justin, no, why, do you, why do you think that so much um, youth development training, leadership training seems to focus on the how to and not really the why? I know it's changing. I mean, that's my job is to notice this type of stuff. I know that we seem to be changing that, but it doesn't seem to filter down as much into those high school ranks to young people working with Gen Z. So why do you think that? Why do you think they focus first so much on the hows and not really developing the character of it? Um, well, my initial kind of reaction to that is it's easier. It's easier to focus on the, on the how to and just say, Hey, let's focus on some of these skills and competencies. It's always easier than that. Uh, on that side, Stephen Covey's book, speed of trust. He, he really talks about the, that he says trust is equal parts competency and character. Um, and so he, he makes this assertion that, that, you know, there, no one wanted to get, no one would want to get in a helicopter with me if they didn't think I could actually fly the helicopter and get them where they needed to go, right? Like there is an element of competency and skill required when it comes to trust um, and who I am as a leader uh, in order to execute the mission. But they're also not going to get in the, the helicopter with me if they don't trust my intentions and they don't think um, that I have their best interest at heart uh, or the interest of the mission at heart. Um, and if they, uh, if they have seen, if they have seen me do things that are not trustworthy, um, and that happened quite frequently where it's like, Hey, um, when push comes to shove, once again, this person is going to always look out for themselves and therefore they're willing to throw me under the bus. They're willing to lie about what happened on this flight in order to preserve their own self-interest and, and whatever the next promotion is or, or job they want. Um, and those are hard conversations to have with folks. And I, and you, but you're absolutely right. Like no one in my entire Navy career, no one ever sat down with me once and said, Hey, how's your character? You know, like, how, how are you doing, you know, on, um, on what you, you name it on, you know, perseverance. Like, how are you, how are you persevering? Like, those are uncomfortable conversations to have. Uh, and, and no one ever did. They plenty of times they sat me down and said, Hey, this is where you are falling short as a pilot, like in your flying skills. Um, and, and those conversations were had all the time, but no one ever sat down with me and said, you know, Hey, how's your character? I also think that, um, another aspect of it is uh, it's not as easily quantifiable. 
right? So it's not, it's not, it's, it is hard. And, and, and I think it is slowly trickling in. You can thank positive psychology study and um, people out there doing the hard work, trying to actually quantify, like, what do these things look like? Um, these, these elements, like, what does it actually look like to exhibit these things? Because um, it's hard to teach something where you can't actually put your finger on it and say like, Hey, this is what this looks like. And this is how this directly leads to, you know, X, Y, and Z when it comes to, to success uh, as a leader, it's just kind of more out there, I think is another part of it too. So I think it's a combination of those two things that it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not as easy. It's difficult conversations required. No one likes being told that they lack integrity um, or something like that. But it's like, Hey, if you, if you don't act in accordance with your values, the things that you profess to be important, then you are not, you're not acting as a person of integrity. Like you are going against um, this idea of being a whole and complete person. And so I used to tell them my meds too all the time. Like, Hey, if I tell you, you lack integrity, no one's going to like that. Like it's not, it's not, and I, you probably would never say it like that, but hopefully you get the point that like it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation and it's also hard to, to pinpoint a lot of this stuff. I'm going to put you on the, on the spot. I'm going to say you're, you're, you're coaching a young leader. Uh, that is not being taught this character first training at all. They're just being taught on the skills. Where do you start? What do you, what do you tell a young Maddie, a young Zachary, you know, when they're 14, 15 years old and they want to be a better leader of their own, but no one is helping them. Where do they start? How can they start on their own journey? Because here's the thing. We're going to have a lot of listeners to this podcast, a lot of viewers who are like, look, I'm not getting this at school. I'm not getting this from my coach. I'm not getting this from my teacher. I'm not getting this from my pastor. They're talking about other stuff, and I want to develop it. How do I start it on my own? Well, first thing I would suggest is find, find some books to read, um, you know, and it can depend on what you what, – what, you like what, what your interests are. Like if you're a sports person, Legacy by James Kerr, following around the New Zealand All Blacks, if you're a sports person, hands down, that's the book to go to to start with, um, you know, or if you're, you know, um, uh, uh, you like the historical kind of stories and references, The Road to Character by David Brooks, um, another great book. So there are books out there on this topic to get you kind of thinking on these things. My, my two kind of starting points would be this. First, um, I don't think we're a very reflective society in general. And I think that reflection daily, daily reflection is critical to your ability, especially when you're talking about this stuff, like, I mean, even the skills side of leadership, but the character side, um, if you don't, if you're not aware, if you're not self-aware of kind of where you sit, um, you, you don't really have a starting point for, for, for where to begin to, to get better. Um, and so I think that is an actual skill, not a character piece. That's a skill piece <clears throat> that people need to, to develop is get you a journal like I, I in my book I have a list of questions but I have a list of questions for myself um, that I ask myself kind of every day that's reflective questions of like who how did I demonstrate love to my family that my how does my family know that I love them today like what did I do today that demonstrate that well love is a something that's a, it's, is a value that is important to me that is a character a piece of my character that I want to continue to grow so that question directly impacts um, how I'm doing along my journey of trying to become a better leader of character. Um, so I have a, a series of questions that I ask myself about 10 questions every day, trying to reflect on, on those things. So first thing I would say is do something like that. Become, tr try and become a more reflective person. It can be as simple as when you're in the shower, just thinking through the day, 
and then grow it from there, grow that skill and, and become a person who takes time every day to think about how you're doing. The second thing I would say is maybe even before that um, is figure out what's important to you. Um, I, I think that you have to identify the values. That's where the values and action survey can kind of help, can help you maybe show you how you prioritize things. Um, but I think you need to figure out, you know, what is most important to you? What about what values um, do you hold most dear? Um, because that's going to directly impact uh, the, the things that you focus on and trying to become a better person of character. Um, and I kind of mentioned integrity there a minute ago. Uh, and, and so another kind of word study here, right? This, the, the word integrity um, comes from the root of the word integer, which we know is a whole number, right? Back from those, those days of doing math. And it's this idea of being whole and complete. Um, when I was teaching leadership at the Naval Academy, they had a very good definition that I've kind of stuck with um, for integrity that it's, is the consistent alignment of your actions with the values and standards um, that, that are important to you essentially. So it's how consist it's, it's consistency in action. So how consistently do my actions align with the things that I say are important? Um, cause I can say humility is important all day, but if I go out and I'm a boastful person and, and I'm arrogant, you know, and, and not demonstrating that, then it doesn't matter what I say is important to me. Like I don't actually value that thing. And so how consistently do I align my actions with my values? Um, and how do I, try and make that sum of all of these habits, right? That, that, that character sum equal close to that whole number. We're never going to get there. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to get to that one, but you can't get there if you don't know what the values are that you think are important. So that's what I would say. I would say identify what those are and then work on becoming a more reflective person and, and trying to ref reflect on how you're doing um, at acting in accordance with those values. I don't know if y'all caught that or not, but the books that he was suggesting uh, to the audience, they're basically, you're talking about biographies, reading about people's lives and their struggles and, and how they got from, you know, point A to point B and, and the revelations that they had uh, about themselves. So read or reflect and, and determining, um, you know, what is most important to you, what your values are, the three things that you're suggesting folks start with, not necessarily in those, that order, but, uh, those are the three things. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's going to be good. That's going to be really good. So one question that I kind of have is, so you said that you started reading um, leadership books, you know, John Maxwell and stuff um, when you were in middle school. So over, over your, all the books you've read, what was the one book that you think impacted you the most? That's a really good question. Um, it's hard not to come back to, sorry, I'm literally looking over here at my, uh, at my library of books um, to answer this question. I should have known this would be, potentially be a question. Um, <laughs> man, it's, that's a really, really hard question to answer. And I think it comes, I think it comes in different seasons, first of all. So I think like, um, I think that the season of life that you're in may dictate what's most important to you at that time. I already mentioned legacy. Um, I'm a huge sports guy. And so I actually got to sit down with the uh, head coach and leadership character coach for the New Zealand All Blacks, who are the most successful sports team in history. Um, I don't know where they stand now, but last I kind of knew over basically a hundred year span, they had an 86% winning percentage. And, you know, we, we like tout the golden state warriors or somebody 
Alabama football, Clemson football, right, is like over like a decade maybe they have a, a, an 86% winning percentage, and that's like amazing. And this team has, has that over, you know, a 100-year span. And so this, this author, James Kerr, got to spend a year with them. I think it was about a year. He got to spend time with them in the lead-up to um, the Rugby World Cup and following and kind of figuring out, like, what is it that makes this team so successful? Um, and there is a lot of deep-rooted culture and, and, um, and consistency and obviously, like, peak performance. Um, but in the book and also in, in the, the conversation that I got to have with the head coach and the leadership coach there, um, they came to the Naval Academy. Uh, it was like they had a two-week period in between uh, tryouts for the New Zealand All Blacks and starting training camp. And instead of taking a vacation or something, the coach and the leadership uh, coach for the, for the New Zealand All Blacks took a two-week vacation, if you will, to the United States to go to the Naval Academy in West Point and a bunch of different places to try and figure out, like, how can we get 1% better? Um, wow. And so – and their focus was not on skills. It was not on – they weren't traveling around figuring out what do I need to learn about, um, you know, performing on the rugby pitch in order to get better. They were focused on character. Like that's, that's what they were focused on. What are the, how can we study some other organizations that put an emphasis on character to make sure we have the right people on board our team um, that, that when matched with the skill set that they have will continue to you know, lead us to be the most successful sports franchise ever. So if you're into sports, that's a really good one and it does focus on the character thing. And, and it kind of carried me for a couple of years. Um, along those same lines, though, and if I was kind of given a generic book, I, it is really hard not to go with Good to Great by Jim Collins um, as far as studying uh, what makes good organizations great, what makes great organizations stay great, how do you move from good to great. Um, and there's a lot of things he talks about in that book, but along those same lines, he talks about this idea of, of kind of pursuing the 1% um, and that good is actually can, or good can be the enemy of great. You can get to good and be like, oh, well, this is good enough, and that's you know, and so that idea of, of every day trying to become, look for that way to become 1% better, um, I think is something that's, that has, if I had to pick something that kind of transcended all the books I've read and has stuck with me, that'd be a, that'd be a big one. Um, and that, yeah, good to great is a really, really good read. Justin, our audience is going to want to know more about how to get in touch with you. They're going to want to know how to get your book and stuff. Where can they find you? How can they reach out to you? How, what, what's the best way for them to connect with you to learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, in my book, I'm, I make it very clear at the back of the book. So the book is called The Coin. Um, once again, just type in my name in the coin, you'll find it. It's on Amazon. That's probably the easiest way to get it. You know, Kindle, Barn, Barnes and Noble, whatever. But the last page of the book, I have uh, my, my actual cell phone number in there and my email address. So, um, you know, feel free to, to reach out to me. Justin Mears, uh, M-E-A-R-S is my last name, justinmears26 at gmail.com is my personal email. Um, so they can reach out to me there. Happy to have a conversation with anybody. Um, once again, if you get the book, my cell phone number is also in there. So I, I'm happy to talk to, to anybody anytime. And you can find me on Facebook or whatever, I guess, if you, if you want. But uh, that'd probably be the easiest way, yeah. Just and eventually they'll be able to go to, into a dining room and see you behind the counter. That's true. Yep. Absolutely. Hopefully soon they'll be able to come into the dining room right now. If you come to Lacey Washington, you probably see me in the drive-thru. So. But Justin, thank you for that. Hey, audience, uh, listen to all the information that he just mentioned is going to be in the show notes. If you look down, down, uh, you'll see in the show notes, you'll, 
uh, you'll be able to find all the information that he just listed and links uh, to the book on Amazon. Justin, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for, for really diving into some topics that these young leaders and I, we, we've struggled with before, you know, not just not having the skills, but having the, the, why and the, how, the why to back up the house. So thank you. Thank you for yeah. your time today. Thank you all. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, obviously, if you can't tell, I'm passionate about that, that side of things and think it's important. And I think that I don't just think that because I personally think that. I think that because I think that the, the, the Gen Z generation thinks that, right? That's what that's the, the, the why, the, this idea of meaning and purpose and um, fulfillment and those sorts of things. That, and so it's another element of that. And I really enjoyed the questions. I think I'm really glad that um, that we ask questions about like, what does this look like practically? Otherwise the conversation could have just stayed kind of up there in the clouds. And yeah. honestly, I would, I would not have thought to, um, to take it there. It wasn't even in my like thought path until those questions kind of came up. So thank y'all for asking that. Cause I think that is at the end of the day, the important part is, okay, great. This sounds great, but how do I actually, you know, put this into practice? So yeah, thanks for the great questions that, that led the conversation down that path. So I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for your time. And uh, audience, please subscribe and share this episode uh, with your friends and family. And we'll be back next Tuesday with another exciting episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. And follow us, too, on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.